This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Twilight Farms Knickers. Do you have that middle-aged, desperate feeling? Do you feel your youth escaping? Try Twilight Farms Winter Knickers, thick enough to keep the chill wind of autumn from blowing all over your fig leaves. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Brandon. Ding! Um, that's Gladys because she's in the, uh, she's getting some dents hammered out in the shop. So there's no Gladys this episode. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous. How are you? I'm doing okay this evening. I had a dentist appointment today and I have no cavities. Hurrah, hurrah. So thank you to our dental plan at, um, That Does Suit Madam Industries. Dentists? Uh, for... Are murderers. I don't like the dentist. You can't change my mind. So I, I actually like my dentist, but the hygienists, I feel like the new generation of hygienists are trained to put all 10 of their fingers in your mouth at the same time. <laughs> I finally had a good hygienist today who did not put her entire fist in my mouth. I think maybe some people are into that, putting tin fingers in the, in the mouth. Maybe you don't know what she was, I don't know. That's for our That Does Suit Madam After Dark podcast. Oh, yes, of course. That, right? You know, I wonder if there's a hygienist who is very unhygienic, like just wears like wrinkled clothes and stained <laughs> jeans. There's a joke in there somewhere. somewhere Someone in, in Los there. Angeles will like take that and make it into something. Right. So, uh, but we've been, we've been having some good feedback on the interwebs. Oh um, my goodness. We've been having yeah. all of the feedback. Speaking of feedback, um, we are recording today's episode from our renovated silo sponsored by Menards and Tractor Supply Company. Yes, indeed. We were, uh, we were watching the episode, The Club, where they have the, um, the episode where Grace Brothers gives them the, the horrible basement and we were looking around the studio and we were thinking, you know. We could do an addition. We could do a rompus room. Uh, we could save some wallpaper for the bit above the door, and then we could bring in tea and then throw it in the air like Mr. Humphreys. Um, or we could turn it into another recording studio. So we went to Tractor Supply. We got a, a grain silo. You know, it's got to fit in aesthetically. Northern Mississippi has very stringent um, historical property guidelines. We didn't for know landmark, that. Right. It's got landmark, to stay... It- yeah. It's got to stay in keeping with the rest of the uh, townscape. I mean, when you become historically relevant for four podcasts, we have one of those blue uh, placards on the side of our <laughs> silo. This is where That Does Suit Madam started. So we have our hands tied. So that's why it's a little echoey today. But, oh, well, we're, we're, we're installing sheet metal and we're, we're having to convert the, uh, the chicken feeders, pulling those out. <laughs> Putting in recording. Anyway, it's a whole thing. So very exciting. And we've been hearing lots of um, cool stuff from the unanimous. Have we not, Mr. Jeffrey? We have. We have indeed, Mr. Brandon. Yes, we have indeed. So we've got some new fans on Facebook. Laura, Randy, Jeffrey, Gene, and Paula. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hello. And Aaron let us, he sent us a link to a clip from the Isolation Creationists. Yeah, Um, thanks, Aaron. That was really funny. 
they do a bunch of spoofs of opening and closing credits of TV shows. Like they dress up as the characters and do like, you know, a silent skit with like the, uh, uh, the music running. Like the and closing they theme. Yeah. It's just one person, right. isn't it? Or is it two? I don't There's remember. There's two. There's two. Of them. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and they spoof the closing credits of all you're being served. So we'll put that up on our Facebook page and all our socials. So you could check that out. I will say it's cool because the two guys who do it, um, you know how when you see like Arthur Bruff and yep. as Mr. Granger, he was always like kind of sneering Scowling, at the camera. Right. <laughs> and they would say Arthur Bruff at the bottom. So the guy like has the sneer and Mr. Humphreys has like the twittering uh, eyelashes and eyelids and uh, it's really good. It's really cool. And so it's cool. It's nice that people kind of think of us as like the Are You Being Served dudes. So they send us stuff. So thank you. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, so we also heard from 70s fan on Twitter who let us know that the pilot oh, that yes. played on Comedy Playhouse when it was preempted from the 1972 Munich Olympics. So that was actually broadcast in color. But the master copy was lost because they didn't keep master copies because reruns weren't a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, back then. So they did have to colorize a black and white recording. Of that's it. right. I think we incorrectly, that's the good thing about Twitter is they will let you know when you make a mistake, which is good. So thank you for that. Uh, but I think I had incorrectly said it was originally broadcast in black and white. And then they were able to color it or I don't know. I got it wrong. There so thanks some, for the correction. There. Yeah. yeah. We also heard from um, our fabulous friend, um, you know, it's a stretch to think, is he fabulous? No, of course he's fabulous. He works in the <laughs> building where Are You Being Served was filmed. Um, yes, Mr. Ben uh, sent us like a treatise. Like he printed it and nailed it to the door of the silo. <laughs> a la somebody in Germany. Martin Luther. Yes, <laughs> Martin Luther. Um, yeah, so he had some like little tidbits. He just like dropped little nuggets into, into the ether. And uh, the first nugget... Um, and this is not only his own little illumination of the ignorance of the show, but also so many of you let us know that yeah. a handbag. We asked for it. Yeah. We asked to be enlightened and educated and unanimous. You did not let us down. Yeah. Oh my God. So, um, Oscar Wilde. Yes. Thank you. Oscar Wilde. Um, super fans from far and wide reached out to us and said a handbag is um, Oscar Wilde reference. So would you like to explain why that might have been a thing on the show? I have my theories, but what do you think? So, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, who share in Mr. Brandon's and my ignorance about this, the uh, <laughs> Oscar Wilde play, uh, The Importance of Being Earnest, one of the most famous film adaptations of it has um, the character uh, Lady Bracknell saying a handbag in that kind of, you know, <laughs> surprised voice. And I think it's one of those things that it's not just the film representation, but I think any time it, it's, it's in the play, it's in the script. So there's, there's some kind of line where it has to be said with some kind of surprise. I don't know that everyone does it with the same intonation. But that um, version but, was fabulous. Right. And obviously it's a reference to the Mr. Humphreys character being queer because spoiler alert, Oscar Wilde was a queer. So, um, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, so is the episode, um, lost in, no, which episode was that? 
Uh, goodbye, Mr. Slocum. Goodbye, Mr. Slocum. Uh, it's Mr. Humphreys dressed up in drag as Blanche, she said. Um, and <laughs> the wife of an MP. The wife of the, my, my husband's an MP, you know. Um, and then someone suggests to her, him, um, do you want a handbag? And then he says, a handbag? So which I think at the time that was sort of like, this is a gay joke. Other gay people yes. will get it. Maybe yes. not the straight people, but this is also the, the TV show that uses Polari, like uh, the NAF, the NAF chives for the... Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, Paris rides for the Omi with the NAF riot. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, it was cool. And thanks for letting us uh, know what's going on. Also, yeah. Ben also let us know that um, Are You Being Served Series 10 premiered the night before the opening episode of EastEnders. So it was actually That's one awesome. day apart. Yeah. Um, and Wendy Richard was definitely the only well-known actor on it. She was the draw into the show. Um, and Wendy was on BBC One continuously from 1972 through 2006. That's awesome. That's so a long I, run. Yeah, and that's what... Um, I wonder if that's probably one of the longest runs in BBC history. I, I don't probably. know. But yeah. what's really cool on the Facebook, and everyone really liked it, um, on Twitter and Facebook, I found this really cool interview documentary of Wendy Richard, and it, it was actually very poignant and very sweet, and I recommend mm -hmm. everyone to go to look at it. Um, sadly, she passed away in 2006. Um, uh, seven? 2007, yeah, something yeah. like that, of cancer. And um, she was a really brave, strong, kick-ass lady. So instead of, you know, sitting around and feeling sorry for herself, she said, no, we're going to make a documentary. So she and her husband, who they recently had married, like they, they yeah. weren't married for very long before she passed away. They made a documentary and it's 30 minutes, I think it's BBC. And it's, it's kind of her still living life while going through chemotherapy. And she's trying to take the uh, stigma and the mystery and the, the fear out of taking chemotherapy. And she explains yep. it and you actually see her getting the drug administered and, you know, um, but I, I was really um, proud to, to know that she really made that such a private, you know, the end of her yeah. life. I, th I think they filmed the, the thing and it aired like two weeks after she passed away. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And what's really cool is um, I also watched this episode of like the British Soap Awards and it was like maybe the year prior. And it was a lifetime achievement, and Wendy Richard got it, nice. which is really sweet. And of course, in England, as as, Brit, as Ben also says in his email, um, if you say Wendy Richard to a British person, they probably think, "Oh, EastEnders." They don't think, "Are you being served?" Because it was so much earlier. Right. But what's really sweet is when she received this award, and you can go look it up on YouTube. Um, she thanks, you know, uh, Pauline Foucher or whatever her name is on Fowler. The, yeah. Fowler her, on her EastEnders, like. Yeah. You know um, how nice you know everyone can relate to this person, and I've, been, I've I've loved all of you that I've worked with. But I also want to thank Jeremy Lloyd and David Croft for casting me as Miss Brahms. Like they really started my. So it was nice that she kind of yeah. included us in her little speech. <laughs> but you know, go and check it out. You know, cancer's not a, a fun trip in the park, and she tried to do some you know shedding some light that it's it's not horrible, but it's you know something you gotta work with. So. Anyway, that I was had cool. no idea that her and Natalie Cassidy were such good friends in real life. Um, mm. Natalie Natalie yeah. played Sonia Fowler, her daughter-in-law on um, EastEnders, or still does. Natalie's still on the show, 
there's actually, you know, she's on it right now and there's an arc about her. And it was, I thought it was just really sweet that Natalie would like come check up on her and do her shopping for her and buy her kippers from, you know, uh, <laughs> from, Harrods, from Harrods or something. From Harrods, yeah. Yeah, because she never had any children of her own. And, and like when you play a role, I'm not an actor, but I, I, I imagine if you play a role where you're someone's daughter or son or, or whatever, yeah. um, you probably bond with that. And, you know, the age difference and, you know, it's cool. So go, go and yeah. check it out. It's a very, it's a nice, it's a nice video to watch. Ben also let us know that season 10 was filmed out of order. I know. This is super interesting. All of the other series were filmed in order, but series 10 wasn't. And Goodbye, Mrs. Slocum was actually the third to last episode filmed. And at that time, they didn't know that there were going to be two more coming up. Um, It was the nightclub and the pop star that were actually after it. So they thought that Goodbye, Mrs. Slocum might actually be their last episode. Really? So which was the actual last episode they filmed? Uh, The pop star. The finale. Oh, so as it was aired. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Gosh. We also got an email from the original other Jeff, Jeff Y, (laughs) who told us that um, he was at the Mets game um, after 9-11, where Liza Minnelli sang New York, New York. Get out of town. <laughs> I don't know. Is that how she would say it? <laughs> um, he reports that uh, the mood of the game was very somber uh, with color guards from the, NY- the New York Police Department, the New York Fire Department, and everyone honoring the colleagues that they lost um, until Liza Minnelli sang during the seventh inning stretch. Okay, cool. And there was a whole bunch of NYPD behind her that started an impromptu kick line, which set everyone cheering. Oh, that's kind of cool. That and then Mike Piazza went on to hit the home run in the eighth inning and blah 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 blah. That's so, a good yeah. thing, right? Thanks for that memory, Jeff. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. That's that's cool. Uh, good old Mr. Jeff, um, the original other Mr. Jeff sends us some great emails and uh, we appreciate them. And don't be afraid of your voicemail sounding like a book report. Please record <laughs> it and send it in. He he said he attempted a couple of times to send us some voice recordings, but didn't like the way that he sounded. Well, the cool and... thing with the voice recordings, like we've had, you know, all of the voicemails we get. A lot of them are voice voice recordings. Henrika in the Netherlands uh, did that, and I think she sounded great. So if yeah. you do a voicemail uh, as a voice message and you don't like it, just delete it and do it again. I mean, you can do that as many times as you want. We and also Mr. Branding heard... works wonders with the editing, so oh, don't be afraid. It's just a bunch of reel-to-reel tape and scotch tape, honestly. <laughs> um, but we also heard from Mr. Jim. Hello, Mr. Jim. Um, he kind of reminded me of myself a little bit, which is a little scary. Um, he's been watching Arbing Served since high school. And, uh, he also listens to Arbing Served on the audio, which I believe I invented the podcast (laughs) when I did that in the nineties. Um, but it seems Jim is taking the lead and carrying the torch. So thanks for that, uh, little message, Jim. It was good to hear from you. Mr. Jim, excuse me. And we also heard from Mr. Jeffrey in Southern California with the vest. So not the original other Jeff, but Mr. Jeffrey with a G. Maybe we should enumerate people or he could be Mr. (laughs) Jeff with a G. I think he would probably like that somehow. (laughs) Um, It turns out that he knows Devin Green. We were talking about her from the Welcome to My Home. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Jeff with a G. You just dropped a name. Do you you want me to pick it up back for you? (laughs) Sorry. Um, not only uh, from the Brenda Dixon spoof, but she's also Betty Bauer's America's Best Christian. That's another oh, yes. one of her characters that she knows. And apparently the gloves that she wears were a gift from Mr. Jeffrey. 
So we so, are two degrees, of, two or three degrees, I don't know how Away from Devin Green, right? Isn't that yeah. great? So if you don't know who Devin Green is, she's a fabulous comedian, actor um, in LA, and she does lots of stuff. So go look her up. Yeah. She's cool. Um, please do send in your memories about um, Are You Being Served uh, for our uh, series finale episode that's going to be coming up in a few weeks. Uh, we want the to- unanimous episode. We want to encourage everyone to share you know, what sense of community they found um, during the pandemic listening to us and um, your memories of the show. And yeah, so we've gotten a lot of great submissions already. Uh, we're collecting them and we, we want to hear from as many people as possible. So like the, the format of the show is we'll pick, a, pick an episode of the show in, in order and kind of talk about it and, you know, kind of go through it. Um, but the final episode... Not of the entire podcast, but for the original series. Um, after, after we the pop do star. the pop yeah. star, yeah, we're going to do like the community, the unanimous episode. So we are going to ask you to be part of it. So we are asking folks, how does your view of the show change after listening to the podcast mm. versus how you first? Saw That's the show a really when you interesting the question. Yeah. Right. Do you feel like it was funnier or less funny? Um, I have my <laughs> have own. Have we thoughts. taken all the joy out of Did it? Did we ruin? Are you being served for your people? <laughs> basically, <laughs> we want to know if we're going to be in a class action lawsuit. This is all for our attorney, <laughs> right? But yeah, so um, you can send as much information. You can send a five-minute voicemail if you want. You can do a voice recording. Send anything you want, and um, this is the time where we will feature you. And um, we're not going to pick an episode to, um, to review or to kind of go over. It's just about the community because the podcast is really cool. We love doing the podcast and the community, the listeners, the unanimous is what makes it so cool. And we love hearing from you. So think about what you'd love to submit to us about your thoughts about the episode, maybe who you identify with, or maybe through taking the time on the podcast to look at the episodes, who do you identify with now that might be, might be different than when you first watched the series. So anything you want, we'll, we'll see what we can do with it. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, that's going to be real fun. We're looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, we also got a mention from our friends over at the God Will Get You For That Walter podcast where oh. they do a recap of Maud. Hello, um, ladies. So the, uh, the joke was, uh, it was Maud is uh, coming home after a day of playing golf and she hates it. And she's like, I hate the golf clubs. And, I, and she throws the golf clubs in the, uh, in the closet. And I hate the tees. And I hate the gloves. And then she picks up a pair of golf balls and just looks at them. And she can't <laughs> say balls because the censors it's in 1973, 1973 or CBS would have like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they wondered out loud, well, how come uh, Mrs. Slocum's character can say pussy all she wants on the BBC? <laughs> yeah. Well, because she's actually referring to her cat. Yeah. And they were wondering why we use that word, or some people use that word as slang for a set of you know, genitalia. And so here are two possible etymologies. Uh, it could either come from the This is old, so up your alley. Oh my isn't God. Isn't it right? Um, it could either come from the old German word for pocket, which makes sense. Okay. Or it, um, did you study Latin in school ever? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how so, to say no in Latin, but no. <laughs> right. um, so one of the first words that every Latin student learns is the word puella, 
which means girl. Okay. Um, I think, you know, I think like the, the Latin primer, like one of the first sentences is Agricola est puella. The farmer is a girl. Um, and okay. so pu- puella for girl became in French pucelle. And then you can easily understand how that transferred to Mrs. Lincoln's favorite word. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, um, there we go. It's a good, it's a good word. The Latin comes in handy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, of course, as always, unanimous, please wear a mask. Uh, go get yourself fucking vaccinated. Um, wash your hands, as is always, Mr. Jeffrey. Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. And you've all done very well. Enough about our fans. We actually talk about the TV show. You know, I love talking about the fans, and it's fabulous. <laughs> uh, but no, take us back. What the hell are we doing listening to this podcast for, Mr. Jeff? Tonight we are talking about Series 10, Episode 2, Grounds for Divorce, which originally premiered on February 25th, 1985. Mm-hmm. And that week in the news, <laughs> at the top of the Billboard 100 chart um, was the same as last week, Careless Whisper by Wham!, and at the top of the UK singles chart was also the same as last week, I Know Him So Well by Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon from the musical Chess. Okay, so people knew what they liked and they liked it a lot for a long time. Right. Um, also, Cherry Coke was introduced in the United States. Was that a big yeah. deal? Do you, do you it, remember it, this? I do remember Cherry. Are you age, Are you making fun of me for being old again? Come on. Uh, no, I actually, do, <laughs> I actually do remember it because for the longest time, it, well, we... This is right after the New Coke disaster. I was going to say, I remember New Coke and like, I, I didn't understand what it was all about, but it was like a big deal in my family. Oh my God. Right. So the whole New Coke thing was 1984. So this is just after that. They had to bring back Coca-Cola Classic and they had the two market products on the market for a while. And so Cherry Coke, you could get that at a bar or restaurant. They just add, you know, cherry syrup. And it was, I think it's actually called, is that a Roy Rogers? Is that what that is? Cherry? Is that what a cherry Coke is? I don't think so. I think I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. Because no, unanimous. A Shirley Temple. A Shirley Temple is grenadine in ginger ale. Oh. And then, like the little boy mocktail was Roy Rogers, which I think is a cherry Coke. Um, I am so it's, it, it had been available, you know, for years, and they finally started to start bottling and canning it, and it was available on supermarket shelves that week in February nineteen eighty five. Yeah. What an important week in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, also that week, um, Cindy Lauper won Best New Artist at the Grammys. Okay, so that kind of paints a picture. Lots of, like, dangly things from people's hair, I, I'm yep. picturing. Yeah, that's, that's a really good picture <laughs> of 1985. And um, Mickey Mouse toured the world in celebration of Disneyland's 30th anniversary and was welcomed in China for the first time. But Disneyland Shanghai wouldn't open until 2016. So this is a little bit of, like, East-West diplomacy going on here. Through the Disney company. (laughs) Through the Disney company. Coca-Cola and Disney. Those are the most American (laughs) of exports in the world, for better or for worse. So what the hell's going on in the episode? So we start uh, start the episode um, early in the morning, but the store is already open. Mm -hmm. Mr. Harmon brings in a selection of all-purpose spectacles for the center display unit. This is going to become a joke later on, so hang on to it because it doesn't go anywhere for like a good 15 minutes. Yeah, I have to say the beginning of this episode felt a little bit like 
clunky. Is that the word? It's just almost yeah, like they would it was very throw clunky. in a joke and it wouldn't really do anything and they didn't expect it to do nothing. So they kind of looked around at each other like, what do we do now? You know, because whenever there's a big applause or um, a, a laugh thing, they have to wait and they you have can to see them waiting wait the break, and yeah. there was no laughter. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I think there were a lot of clunk, uh, clunky things in this episode, especially how we have the callback to the glasses later on. But we'll get there, unanimous. Hang on to that. <laughs> yeah. The whole reason that they're establishing that it's morning is because Captain Peacock is late. He's about eight minutes late, oh. and it's obviously oh, unlike him. Um, did you catch that Mr. Harmon called him Colonel? You and know, so I, I wasn't thought sure. I heard him say something like that. And I wasn't sure if that was an intentional character jab, you know, to kind of take him down a peg, or if it was a slip of the tongue that just didn't make it past the editors. Because we know the continuity people were, like, drinking gin and tonics out of a perfume <laughs> atomizer the entire show. <laughs> we get our fir- first of several phone calls this morning, and it's Mrs. Peacock checking okay. in on her husband. And we hear the one-sided conversation. He says, I have until 5 o'clock to decide we agreed upon that. And so all of the gossiping... Decide what? Right. All the gossiping staff, they're kind of listening in to figure out. Uh, Mrs. Slocum offers her support in case he's in trouble. So we see (laughs) very gently uh, how Mrs. Slocum starts sidling up to Captain Peacock, which will become important later on. Oh, yeah. Rumbold comes down and catches Captain Peacock still in his overcoat. And Mr. Humphreys is quick to come to his defense and say that he was um, modeling it for a customer who had uh, mm-hmm. left the store to go, um, to go this, think about it or this whatever. This kind of like reinforces my theory that it's, they're a family, they love each other, they're yep. always looking out for each other. Um, Mr. Captain Peacock, or Colonel Peacock, I don't know, um, <laughs> is in trouble, so let's help him out, you know? So, He's been late three times this week already, and a fourth late tardy would mean a severe reprimand. Oh, dear. Well, I might go in my permanent record. <laughs> well, no, 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 because they, they would talk, if it was a write-up, they would tell you it's a write-up because, you know, he's always carrying that little notebook around. Mm. Um, Peacock yells back and brings up all the times that Mr. Rumble leaves early through the back entrance. So he's standing up to Mr. Rumble, which he doesn't really do yeah. very often in these yeah. episodes. So we can tell that he's, he's got something on his mind if he's not, you know, maintaining that decorum that he usually does. Um, all he lets on to his staff is that he's thinking about making a change. And they don't really know what that is. Which will also come up later, won't it? That's right. Um, The phone rings a second time. It's Miss Edna Bagnold in accounts for Captain Peacock. Okay. um, uh, And tells his staff that it's a private matter, so they should give him a little bit of space. Meanwhile, they step about five feet away and, like, listen in. They lean in posturing that they're trying to get a word and everything it was so like the trope right of them kind of all huddling together and like reaching over and like putting their hand to their ear and right um moving over as a group to you know doing a little side shuffle to move over together yeah um the the conversation we hear from captain peacock is she knows everything well almost everything we could be near each other after hours so the plot thickens. Mm. And we know Captain Peacock. We know, like, he has a bit of a philandering eye. Or what, what does Mr. Mr. Granger say? Uh, oh, no, I was thinking of Patty Pilfera. But no, it was, <laughs> it was a philanderer. Like, that's how he would say it. Right. <laughs> and don't get me started about the Christmas parties. 
Um, the phone rings a third time, and Mr. Humphreys is exasperated from making his voice go low. What do you want this time? Um, <laughs> it's Mrs. Peacock again, and the message that she's passing on to Captain Peacock is, is he on or off for tonight? She'll be at the store at 5 o'clock. Okay, so we know something's coming up. So we got some pieces going on. Uh, they think that um, Miss uh, Captain Peacock and Mrs. Peacock are having marital troubles again. We've mm-hmm. seen this several times. In this is almost episodes. a repeat episode at this point, right? Like, right. We, oh, they're always fighting, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, over on the ladies' counter, Mrs. Silkham and Ms. Brahms are, are talking about um, midlife crisis that Captain Peacock might be going through. Well, you know, I dealt with that uh, a few years ago when I began to feel the chill, chill wind of autumn start to set in. <laughs> and and Ms. Brahms asked, well, did you kick over the traces when you felt the chill wind of autumn? No, I just bought thick knickers. So thank you to our sponsors at the uh, Twilight Farms Knickers Company. Okay, so what does it mean, kick over the traces? Is that like a horse uh, reference? You know, I actually have no idea, and I didn't even pick up on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's cute that she was describing um, as... You know, if life was a one year and you're off, calendar. You, you know, you would be, you know, kind of getting good and kind of pretty old. In the and second half of your life, yeah. Instead of, you know, what did you do? Well, no, I just bought thicker underwear. <laughs> it's getting autumn. No, it's so cute. Yeah. Mixed metaphor, I do believe. Something like that. Miss <laughs> um, Bagnold from Accounts comes down to the floor. Uh, and she is very eager to see Captain Peacock, and she is played by Maggie Henderson, who went on to play Ms. Walsh in Liftoff, uh, a sketch comedy show that lasted for three seasons on BBC, and she's also okay. voiced uh, several cartoons. Oh, okay. I wonder if people would be like, wait a minute, she sounds familiar. That's kind of cool. Yeah, maybe. Um, she pulls Captain Peacock into the lift and begins kissing him and groping him. So now we know that there's something going on between Bagnold and Peacock. Well, here's the thing. Right? It's interesting because... We have been called out on this podcast about being too um, focused on the sexism and the racism. But, you know, okay. screw those people. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think, I think um, because of, you know, oh, it's this, uh, it's this TV show that was in the, in the 70s and 80s. It was a different time. Comedy was different. Well, no. If I'm going to watch uh, Gone with the Wind and I see... Slavery depicted as like, it was great. Mm, I, I can't just go with that, you know? Right, I have to like right. really, you know. So going along with this idea. Um, Tell us your feelings about a little bit of Shilly Shally on the side. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, I, I was a little bit like, okay, this is another episode where like some young, young woman uh, is being pursued by Captain Peacock. But as I, and this, that's kind of how I remember this episode originally. But now that I watched it, today for the podcast i noticed that at no point does captain peacock ever pursue this woman she's pursuing him and in the scene in the in the lift door as the lift doors stay open for inexplicably long amount of time um she's like the man in that embrace she's the pursuer she's the pursuer pursuer. yeah it's a better way of saying it because he's like not even do anything he dips she dips Captain Peacock. Right. He's sort of just held there by her. Um, so it was kind of interesting. I, 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 it goes against the idea of all the other episodes, like German Week when he's tying the bustier together for the young 
right. a secretary with like the little bow and a bustier. Um, so anyway, it just kind of, oh, maybe it's, it's, I don't know if that's age that I've noticed that or maybe well, taking the time to look at it. I don't know. On screen on this day, he was definitely not pursuing Miss Bagnold with his blow tickler. <laughs> However, he tells us the story of how they met. Um, so they met at the golf club about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, she, um, she was working in a bank at the time. And so he opened up an account at that bank as an excuse to see her. And he began reciting his um, account number in his sleep. And, Which is so um, ridiculous, it's cute. <laughs> right. And he, he had actually asked Mrs. Peacock for a divorce at one time, not because he was so in love with Miss Bagnold, but because he didn't want to be held down necessarily. He wanted the freedom to be able to look and flirt and possibly a little shilly-shally on the side, but nothing serious. Right? Yeah, right? and as much as I love this show, I think... Because I take it so seriously, I feel okay to critique it in a way. Because I didn't believe that Captain Peacock wanted to get a divorce. Like, no. I, I, I feel like we were owed a better explanation. Like, in those, in those long scenes when he's, like, telling Captain P- or when he's telling Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Slocum, like, this is what's going on, and the, the, the camera zooms in... It was such a great time for him. You know, he does those, those soliloquies where he kind of goes on mm-hmm. and talks for a minute and a half straight. And it just didn't... He's like, I'm, in a different, I'm a different man. Well, tell us why. Like, you don't want to just get divorced just to get divorced. So that was something that I didn't well, like. Well, yeah, I, I, think, I think that it was not because he fell out of love with Mrs. Peacock, but that just he didn't want to, to put her in an awkward position of being cuckolded. Can women be cuckolded or is that only for men? Um... Good question, but I, yeah. I do feel. But that, you know, you know yeah. what I mean, right? Yeah, you know what I'm it, at. it it almost feels like. Of course, this is season ten, and I wonder if the the writers were like, you know, this is where we want to go with this episode. We have to fill in. I'm not a writer, but I imagine if you have the goal, this is what the drama will be: the protagonist, the antagonist. Mm-hmm. How do we fill in these steps to get to that point? Yeah, and it felt a little bit like the journey getting to the point was a little bit kind of lost. I also noticed that Captain Peacock, Frank Thornton, and uh, Mrs. Slocum um, kind of forgot their lines a little bit. They stumbled a lot. And they would say, mm. you know, I want to go to the, um, you know, go to the store. That's what you do when you don't really remember and you're like stalling for time, you know? Did you notice that? Uh, that I, I, now that you're saying it, that sounds, that sounds right. I... I uh, I, I do remember them them doing things like that. You know, I think that um, also at this time, just in society in general, this is 1985, and for society, monogamy is the only option, right? The idea of an open relationship where both parties are ethically consenting to people having their shilly on the sh- shilly shally on the side. Say that three times was, fast. <laughs> was, shilly shally slissel was not well known. I mean, obviously in the seventies you had the swingers movement and it was like one of those kind of underground things. I I think this is what is, you know, being reinforced here is that there's a difference between having an affair and the kind of love that we see that Miss Bagnold has in her fat infatuation with Captain Peacock, which is forcing him to kind of choose. Right. And then he says again, um, you know, he needs a change. 
Uh, he's not the same gay, carefree fellow that he once was, which is a great yeah. entree for Mr. Humphrey to say, well, you're certainly not as carefree. <laughs> I love how Miss Brom says, you know, if you were younger, you could go to the Foreign Legion. And he says, the, th- the thought has come to me, going with a bunch of sweaty men in the desert. And then Mr. Humphrey says, the thought has come to my mind as well, <laughs> or something like that. We got a oh, lot of great quips it. from Mr. Humphreys in this episode, right? Yeah. Um, Miss Bagnold comes down to the canteen and she declares her love for Captain Peacock in front of everyone because they only saw her in the lift. They haven't heard her speak and says um, she will wait for Captain Peacock forever if his wife won't leave him. She kisses him again and starts uh, unbuttoning his whisket, his vest underneath mm. his, his suit coat. Oh, my God. And that scene was fabulous. And they're scandalized. Meanwhile, Mr. Spooner still has the stupid hamburger buns on his ears. Because <laughs> when Captain Peacock began to reveal his, um, his secret, he only wanted his trusted members of staff to know. Mm, so, he, so Mr. Spooner put hamburger buns on his ears to protect his hearing. And he's still holding them up. Like, good job to Mike Berry for maintaining that ridiculous pose for this entire yeah, scene. Yeah, I mean, they had to do something with him. I mean, he has to have some lines. Um, right. I think we would be chided if we did not reference a couple of jokes. Okay. Um, Mrs. Slocum said, you know, some men like it at work as well, not just at home. And then Miss <laughs> Brom says, what about that Mr. Bento? You, you denied everything when they fired Mr. Bento. And then, because apparently there was a rumor that Mrs. Slocum was Mr. Bento were having a little work uh, thing. Tate-a-tate. Tate-a-tate, yeah. And uh, then to respond to Miss Brom's, Mr. Humphrey says... We all denied everything when Mr. Bertor was fired, <laughs> which is great. And then yeah. also, um, Mrs. Slocum is talking to Captain Peacock. You know, she said, maybe I can speak to him woman to man intimately as we were old colleagues. And I can figure out what's going on at home. So I'll, I'll have a discussion with him at work at the, at the canteen. And she said, you know, marriages are ups and downs. I know with Mr. Slocum, uh, it was... Um, not very many ups towards the end, which, of course, <laughs> means resurrection, probably. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Hardly the, any the, ups at all. The impotence of being earnest. <laughs> oh. Poor Gladys isn't here for a ding. Good job. Yeah. Which, well, you know, I, I did borrow that from a Golden Girl, uh, Girls episode title ah, where okay. Rose dates someone who experiences that problem. Anyway. <laughs> so, as is on par for season 10 um they cook up a ruse they cook up a ruse to get their colleague out of trouble just like they did last week with mrs Slocum. humphreys decides that miss bagnold needs to catch captain peacock with another woman to make her jealous and go off him i so thought he was going to be in drag again and i was disappointed i was hoping i was right? hoping that that's the way this was going to turn out <laughs> but they decide to pair him up with mrs Slocum. Um, well, let's keep that as a last resort. <laughs> Aww, poor Mrs. Slocum. I love how Captain Peacock says, wouldn't it make more sense to make Miss Bagnold jealous if I was kissing Miss Brahms? And then Mr. Spooner, the cheek, says, uh, oh, she looks too common. She looks too She's easy. She's too common. She's too, too easy. easy, yeah. And then she slaps him, you know? And I kind of wanted her to, like, by 1985, like, stand up and, like, punch him out or or something, or like do a really good quip that really puts him in his place. Right. She, she, she hits him on his arm, whereas if this were set in America, he would have gotten four fingers across the face. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
But anyway, it's are you being served? I still love it. Don't worry. Don't send hate mail. <laughs> Speaking of hate mail, I've I don't know why, but I've worked up a <laughs> hunger, and I want to go write those letters of apologizing for all the other horrible things I've said about the show. So why don't we nip on down to the canteen? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's head on down to the canteen for a tea break. We'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. So speaking of hate mail, I saw that the canteen manageress was busy writing something in the corner over there. <laughs> Do you think that she was responding to the complaints box? Um, I think that's where she puts her cigarette ashes, actually, in that <laughs> complaint box. I had a delicious Brandenburg uh, cake, but I had to, it's it's very getting very dusty at here at uh, that does suit Madam headquarters with all of our renovations. So uh, I don't know if that was powdered sugar or dust. So I probably shouldn't have eaten it. What, what did you have? Well, I started to feel the um, chilly wind of autumn come in. So I just asked for some porridge to keep me warm. Well, I hope you have thick underwear. My God. <laughs> so now that we've all refreshed and, and revived our caffeine, caffeine levels, uh, where were we in the episode? So we're in Mr. Rumble's office and Captain Peacock is asking him to get Miss Bagnell transferred to another branch. Mm-hmm. And Miss Belfridge, Belfridge knows why, and she starts sobbing because she thought that Captain Peacock only had eyes for her. I mean, it's all over the store. It's even written on the wall of the ladies. <laughs> so she's sobbing throughout the entire thing, and he's starting to tell his story more to Mr. Rumbold. He wants a divorce, but not necessarily to marry anyone else. He's just had enough of all of the philandering and the side-eye and the shilly-shally on See, the side, See, I, right? I just don't, I don't buy that, but I don't know. W- whatever. Yep. Uh, Mr. Hartman refers to him as the Robert Redford of ready-mades. A repeat Some joke nice... that's already been made of yes. Mr. Lucas, I think. I also it love was. how um, when she says, it's all over the, the store. It's even in the ladies, which means the, the ladies' restroom, the, the, the right. washroom. And then uh, Mr. Um, Rumbold turns to his, to his left and says to Miss Belfridge, we must have it off at once. <laughs> Meaning we have to take that down, like remove right. the graffiti. But of course, he's so oblivious. But so have funny. it off is, you know, facts of life. Oh, by facts of life, do you mean that time you shook me a bed, shook me awake in my bed at two o'clock in the morning and said, by the way, sweetie, people have it off? Then yes, you told me the facts Thank of you, life. Thank you. Absolutely mother. fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. People have, uh, um, we should have it off is a British phrase for having sex. Right. The there you go. Yeah. Um, so we get back to the floor and then here's the ruse. So mm-hmm. Mr. Humphreys asked Miss Bagnall to come down with some change for the till. 
And so she, he knows that she's going to ask for Captain Peacock. Because she's obsessed, and he, yeah. And he's going to say, he's in there, but don't go in, gesturing to the gentleman's fitting room. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the code word for Slocum and Peacock to start going at it. So, so that start making way, out as a Start as a making out. So that way, Mister uh, Miss Bagnold will um, will get jealous. So she Slocum drags him into the, uh, in for some practice because she's like, "This is my cheap shot. This is my one chance to actually get him to kiss me." Yeah, because she's you know been somewhat mildly interested. She's probably in been him. infatuated with him since the '60s or something. Right. <laughs> She begins smelling his aftershave. Well, I could see what they see in you, right? Mm, from this angle, I can see what they see. And, and I suppose from this angle, you can see what they see in me as well. <laughs> it's so cute. She I, almost does like the little Alice age the, 10 yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, the Alice age 4 voice. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she starts she has to get a little giddy. Fabulous big eyelashes, huge pink hair. She's very drag queen right now. Um, and it's so cute because even in the first couple episodes, she's always had a thing for Captain Peacock. And she just can't help herself. And when she's up up close to him, uh, she like just kind of like nuzzles him like a puppy dog. And he says, yes. "Stop it! Stop it! You're going you're going to get powder all over my my suit." And she says, um, "Oh, that'll make you even more jealous." And then she can't can't <laughs> help herself. So she just like snuggles with him even more. It's really really cute. I love it. Yeah. Um, so Mr. Rumbold comes down with news um, while Miss Bagnold is putting the change in the till. Uh-oh. It turns out that she's not doing a very good job, and she's going to get her three months' notice. She's going to get fired. Um, Rumbold sends Miss Bagnold off the floor, back up to accounts, and he mm-hmm. demands to see Captain Peacock. Mr. Humphreys forgets about the code word and says, well, he's in there, but don't go in. <laughs> <laughs> and, so then he ca- and then he catches Mrs. Slocum oh, no. and Captain Peacock making out, right? And he says, "Where's Miss Bell? Where's Miss Bagnold?" And then, uh, Rumbo says, "What? You want more than one woman at you the same time?" Right. No. Um, <laughs> we then get a clun- a very clunky cut um, back to the floor with- for the glasses gag. Right, Mr. Humphrey goes up and yeah. into the center display unit. And says to Mr. Spooner, let's try to sell these glasses to that customer over there. And we hear Mr. Spooner say, oh, yeah, the glasses, right? Right. It's so just sort of like, oh, yeah, we forgot we were going to do this bit. We forgot we, forgot we were going to do this bit, right? <laughs> yeah. So they pick up the sunglasses and they start trying them on and making eyes of the customer and waving them around in their head trying to get And they're attention. fabulous. I got to say, in 1977, of course you do. Of course in, yeah. you do. In 1977, there was like the Elton John crazy glasses look, and the episode yep. with Mr. Humphreys where he's wearing like a green—I guess that's the um, the American Way Out Boutique, the Way Out Boutique, right? Whatever episode that is, where he's wearing the the lime green uh, LeMay suit, and he has these fabulous Elton John glasses. Now it's 1985, and they still have these like far out Elton John style Elton glasses, John yeah. glasses. Um, but hey, I'll take them. I think they're so cool. If anyone, so so Mr. Jeffrey with a G is having a custom Wilberforce Claiborne Humphreys, W.C. Humphreys uh, sweater vest knitted. If anyone in the world wants to make a, a replica of the glasses that Mr. Humphreys buys from the customer, I would happily accept them. I think they're so <laughs> fabulous, right? Oh my yeah, God. absolutely. <laughs> um, so the customer is like playing hide and seek behind a mannequin. Like, he keeps, like, peeking around, and he's really trepidatious about, like, can, 
is it safe for me to go talk to them? Are they actually trying to get my attention? Because they look like they're trying to come on to him, right? right. Like, you, you wearing the glasses. That. And they're, like, right. big, queer sunglasses, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I guess he didn't want to get, you know, written up for Section 56 or whatever that is, right? Or, um, or uh, uh, loitering in the uh, gentleman's department. There you go. Uh, <laughs> the customer is played by Philip Kendall, who was the London calling voice from Hello, Hello. Oh, okay. So you never actually saw the guy, but you knew his voice. Right, exactly. Interesting. Um, Humphreys is wearing a, a pink circular frame, and Spooner's wearing one that has white hearts all over it. <laughs> and, um, Very much. They try and sell him the glasses. Aren't, these are fun, aren't they? He goes, well, I prefer something bold that makes a statement like these. Pulls it out. They've got rainbows and clouds on them. Very, and he just happens to have them shots. in his blazer pocket, which is funny. Right. And he ends up selling them to Humphreys for a fiver. <laughs> and then he walks up and he's like, by the way, I would drop this guy. He's bad for your image. He's bad for your image. Right? What does that mean? He, he means that Spooner is not going to pull any rough trade. And uh, if he tries to pitch any woo behind the bandstand, I, I, part of me thinks like, okay, this guy's clearly gay because he has the. It's like, like a right. gay a gay tell that he has these crazy way out glasses. Right. By the way, I have some very fabulous glasses. Um, if you saw the um, the drag queen show that we were featured on, I wore them very proudly. Thank you. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> um, yeah, but I also, I, I interpreted that as, oh, you guys are a couple, but you can do better than this guy. Yeah, something like that. Right. Or, or haven't you figured out that he's straight yet, or he's not that good looking? Yeah, something along those lines. I love how ambiguous it is. He's not good for your image. For your image, right. Like, what does that mean? But if you're gay, you probably know that, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. The, the clunky joke doesn't quite end there because this gets Peacock to start looking at some of the eyeglasses as well. And he pairs, picks out a pair of red cat's eyes mm-hmm. and then goes over to the ladies' counter and picks up a pink ladies' hat with a bow. And so we're trying to understand, well, is he picking out a gift for Miss Bagnold? But why is he wearing the glasses? And then he tries then he, on the hat and it's backwards. And he tries and, on the hat. But he says, but I like the bow in the front. Right? So everyone is confused as to what's going on, yeah. right? He picks out a, um, uh, a smart skirt, a blouse. Um, he chooses stockings instead of tights. And Humphrey's cotton's on. He's heard Captain Peacock say several times that he wants a change. And then in the canteen, he says women have it so much easier than men. I wish I were a woman sometimes, right? Yeah, exactly. Something along those exactly. lines, right? So we think that Captain Peacock is going to go through the change in order to get a divorce from his wife or maybe just give up altogether and, you know, uh, 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 what we would call nowadays transition, which they yeah. didn't have the word that was language at that time. I think that deserves a little bit of time because 1985, now we've come a long way, baby, <laughs> the LGBT community since 1985 or 1972. Um, I wonder, I mean, this is a terminology thing because as a community, being able to define who your community is, adopting a name is important for, for your own identity as a member of that group, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a trans man or a trans woman, that's, a, that's the, the community in which you belong and that's uh, the name you give yourself and that's powerful, right? But in 1985... 
did they have the term transgender? And of course, even that word has changed over the decades, right? But it's interesting how mm-hmm. they don't have a word for it. They just say a change. Um, I wonder if that's also a BBC thing too. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, so the language that would have been used at that time is, first of all, they would have been talking, you know, they would have been making the distinguish the distinction of um, is Captain Peacock a transvestite or a crossdresser, just someone who wants to wear clothing of what was perceived mm-hmm. as opposite yeah. when gender was considered binary, or is he transsexual? That's the word that would have been, that's the language that you would have been used at the time um, if, for someone who wanted to have a sex change or sex reassignment. Yeah, I think right? this would be a painful episode to watch if you are a trans person because um, the way that, the way to fend off this woman from who is getting these amorous advances he doesn't want is to dress up in women's clothing and make it appear as if he is transitioning, right? Well, make it appear, make it appear that he is not straight and cis, right? Because it's never really fully disclosed really what that change is if Captain Peacock is, to use the language of a time, a transsexual right. or trans. Which, by the way, we should say right. are not words that are used these days um, it's always best to say, you know, could you tell me how you want to refer to yourself? Could you share your story? Right. Blah, blah, blah. So and just for the record, those are kind of quite out of date words, right? Yeah. Um, yes, that's correct. Um, this is also not the first time that we've heard about people who have had um, what is now known as gender mm-hmm. affirmation surgery. There's been at least two friends of <laughs> Mr. Humphreys who uh, present as and he's so much uh, more women now. Uh, better after the change, I think. Yeah, he's so much be- he, Yeah, he's so much more happy the after operation. having had the operation. Yeah. Like we get that right. joke twice before the operation, right? Trinidad, Colorado, Sweden, yeah. the operation, right? Um, Captain Peacock comes out of the fitting room wearing the entire outfit, uh, and Miss Bagnall comes out of the lift, and she is appalled. Not you, not my Stephen. I never right. want She's to see shock again, and horror. Right? I mean, that's kind of like if, if you ever watch the celluloid closet, which uh, is a really good documentary, which shows, you know, it's from the 80s. Uh, I think it was written by Vito Russo, the book, and the, it's made into a, a great documentary mm-hmm. with Harvey Firestein and lots of people interviewed. Um, a lot of up to that point, if, if LGBT people were depicted in any way, it was like a monster just came on the scene and people ran away. Mm-hmm. And you see that in this, this episode. Um, of course, it's all a ruse and no one's actually trans and it's all kind of to get someone to get off his scent. But Well, that, uh, that's what the staff thinks. The staff thinks that he's doing this to finally get rid of Miss Bagnold. But it turns out um, the lift opens and here comes Mrs. Peacock wearing a three-piece suit. Talking very low. Talking in a very low register. Uh, Mr. Humphreys breaks the fourth wall for the third time in the series. And says, yes, Did I so miss cute. something? Because he's completely confused what's going on. It turns out that um, the way that Captain Peacock was going to indicate that he wanted to reconcile with Mrs. with Mrs. Peacock was to join her at a fancy dress party that they had tickets for. I don't get it. 
I mean, we've haven't we seen this before as well? That like that his signal that he wants to be with her is that he's going to meet her at the club or he's going to wear an umbrella on his arm or there's something like that. Like we've had this yeah, before. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I, I, I know it's terrible that I love this show and I critique it. And, you know, we just saw Captain Peacock not quite dress in drag, but it was interesting to see. And of course, you know, the anti-trans thing notwithstanding. Um, so if this episode didn't exist, that would not exist. So, but it just feels a little like they could have tightened things up a little bit. But, of course, I've never made a TV show. So maybe it's very difficult yeah, that I'm making no, you know, it, these armchair things. Some of the transitions, pardon <laughs> yeah. the pun, were uh, really kind of clunky. But we do get a visual gag of Couch Peacock pulling two extra tickets out of his garter belt, out of his suspenders, to give to um, Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Slocum. Who dr- and, of course, who, he's interested. Like, whatever party they're going to would right. be something I would be into. <laughs> I want to be at, right? So Humphreys pulls the boa off of the center display unit. Uh, Mrs. Silicon grabs a top hat, and the four of them were off to the ball. Poor Ms. Brahms and Mr. Spooner, I guess, have to go eat a Wimpy's hamburger. Yeah, and I love how uh, Mr. Humphrey says, I'm glad everything's back to normal. Let's go. And they all four go up the stairs. It's so cute. But I just had an idea. That's unusual for you, isn't it, Mr. Brandon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Captain Peacock does this, and then Mr. Humphrey says, do you have more tickets? Because this might be something I want to go to. It's 1985. We've been studying this guy in every episode, what, almost 60 plus episodes now. Mm -hmm. Is it starting to feel a little dated? And the reason I say that with Mr. Humphrey's being gay, okay, and the way he approaches it. 1972, I think that's like, what, three years after Stonewall, 1969, like... I understand. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, it's quite the, like, go see Boys in the Band. If you've never seen that, that's 1969 when that was written. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. 1985. That's quite a difference. And it's like Mr. Humphreys. But of course, during and after the show in the UK, John Inman was vilified by the gay LGBT community because people hated his portrayal of Mr. Humphreys because he was flouncy and you know he wasn't mm-hmm. you know um he wasn't he, out first of all he wasn't out uh, and people said he wasn't really the type of gay that straight people would feel comfortable with there's a whole thing we could unpack with that mm-hmm. why do you have to make straight people feel uncomfortable about something but anyway i'm just wondering it's 1985 it's the last year of the series we've been in production for many many years a lot of time has passed he wants to go to a party where men dress as women and women dress as men. There's nothing queer about that. There's no, like, gay community there. But it's almost like if you wanted to have a no. gay character express something slightly queer in 1962, that would be the type of party they would be interested in, right? Because of, of, the, of the time, there were black and white, there was very limited gray, and that was all there was. Now it's 1985. There are probably gay bars all over London, I imagine. And he's interested in this party. It just, I just had the idea. I wonder if this is feeling a little bit back, like a little bit of out of, out of date in terms of his queerness on the TV show. Well, well, here's the thing. He asked Mrs. Slocum to be his, not date, yeah. but to accompany him. If he was going to this party... 
with the intent of finding people who were also using this as an excuse to dress up in drag or to be gay and gay, he wouldn't have asked um, Mr. Slocum to tag along. He would have been out looking for his own you know, amorous partner that night. This is just a gag to get him <laughs> to wear the Brandon, the stop taking it. It's just are being served. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just an idea that came to my mind. Um, you know, I'm pretty political. I think we yeah. both are. I think a lot of people on the who listen, the unanimous are too. Um, just an idea I had here. Um, sometimes I take the show very seriously, but it is just a silly BBC comedy. Sometimes I need yeah. to be reminded of that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I also want to say I loved how um, someone asked Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock, Mr. Captain Peacock, oh, Mr. Humphreys. It was a flip flop. Mr. Humphreys says, "Captain Peacock, are you free?" And then from behind the, the the curtain, he says, "I'm free." It's like he was swapped with Mr. Humphreys here, right? That's true. So. Yeah, that is true. Mr. Brandon, what are we talking about next week? Gambling fever, where Mr. Humphreys mimes the results of the horse race over closed circuit television. And he does, uh, boy, howdy, does it do a good job of that as well. For the unanimous who are keeping score and paying attention, they will remember that this is my third favorite episode of the entire series. You know he has a spreadsheet, folks, right? <laughs> right. So let me just do a little touch base. So this is episode two of season 10. How yes. many episodes are there left? Okay, so the next episode that aired is actually the holdup, but we already uh, reviewed that. We've already when done we it. Did that when we had uh, Madam Con right. earlier this summer. Okay. Madam Con, not Madeline so, Con, not Madeline Con. So uh, our next episode we're going to review is Gambling Fever. Okay, and then after that is the Nightclub. Which okay. we may have a special guest joining <gasps> us for that episode. Oh, I think I might have received that telegram as well. Um, we've got Friends and Neighbors. Where it was written in this... Dutch, but go on. <laughs> um, we've got Friends and Neighbors, which is the uh, apartment episode. With the Mr. Humphreys, come and give me a baby. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and then it's the pop star. Oh, my so God. There's only four left. left. Yeah. Ah. And... To put a, another layer of reassurance to the world before people start worrying, we will be covering Are You Being Served Again? Stroke, Grace, and Favor. Uh, yes. That question came up this week, so that's going to be coming. We will do Beans of Boston. We will do at least one episode on the Australian series. We will do the 2016 revival, and we will do Grace and Favor. So you're not getting rid of us just yet. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so Mr. Jeffrey, if people wanted to uh, get in touch with us, send us your ideas about the unanimous episode and want to be a part of it, how can they do that? Well, Mr. Brandon, our fans can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter or write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam, that's spelled with an E, Ding. at gmail.com. Or they can call the Peacock Hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And while you're at it, grab some merch at our bargain basement shop at imfree.threadless.com. Lovely. And with that, Mr. Jeff, as always, you've all done very well. Bye, Goodbye.
That does suit, madam, is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? If you don't respond to your spouse's petition for divorce, you are giving up your legal right to make any decisions in the divorce case.